0: In my opinion that we really need to make sure the wolf is. He needs to be respectful of man But right now they come right up to my deck, they're, they're up to my deck right now. Wow! All right, all, all I want is them to be respectful. Yeah. The second thing is, is we got to manage them. Right now, we got too many, yeah, they're everywhere. Four out of the seven days you go in the woods, you'll, you'll, you'll come across a, a wolf, a see an actual wolf. Not just a track, you'll yeah. see the wolf. I would agree you'll with see you. see wolf tracks
1: every day. I would agree with you, yeah. Welcome to Wild Game Dynasties podcast, episode number 83. Folks, we have a great podcast this week. Hey, we're kind of piggybacking on what's happening out there right now, and we try to keep things relevant. And, uh, hey, with the the big to-do about the proposed wolf hunt in Michigan... And uh, following the one that just closed out in Wisconsin and having that judge uh, in Wisconsin order the Department of Natural Resources there to go ahead with a hunt. Well, boy, it's, uh, this is such a hot, hot ticket item, hot bed item that we thought it would be appropriate to bring someone on that uh, not just a person from the UP, but someone that understands the reasons why Michigan needs to have a wolf hunt and not a better person to bring on than to bring on Mark Spencer from Michigan's Upper Peninsula. He's in that eastern end. He owns and operates a business. He's from there. He, uh, he's a person that's out in, the, out in the field, out in the woods, out in the swamps every day. That's because he's a trapper. He's not just a businessman, but he also uh, he speaks the language, as we might say. He understands those animals, as we know trappers do. Probably more than anybody out there, and without further ado, let's roll right into it. Podcast number eighty-three. Mark Spencer, this is Gary Morgan calling. Hi, right. Gary, how are we doing today? Hey, not too bad. I'm I'm calling from downstate, but I I know you're up in the Upper Peninsula, so I just kind of kind of look at that as uh, God's country. So I'm a little envious. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to be up that way
0: yeah that's it's
1: god's country all right yeah whereabouts are but, you i'm in uh village of brevoort about 20 miles west of the Macaw bridge oh perfect yeah you're you know i always told my wife when we kind of had our cabin around east lake uh we were 30 minutes from a lot of different things to do i mean that beach on a hot day when the kids were there and along yep. along us two, we could head into saint ignis for you know do a little light shopping or whatever it might be and of course uh Maybe it's further than a half an hour, but Taquamina wasn't that far either. So, Nope. A lot of things to do in that eastern end of the UP. Yeah, there's quite a bit to do up here. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, well, hey, I, I appreciate you uh, agreeing to do a podcast, and, and I reached out to you. We had a little chit-chat ahead of time here, but um, I had not met you. I'm going to make a point because uh, I'm up that way a lot. I know i'm up that way a lot because uh, my wife reminds me that oh you're heading to the up again yeah <laughs> so yeah. Well, but but uh up here. yeah I'll s- up here between uh may and uh november uh i'll probably during the day i'm at my pasty shop on us2 where, which one's that right wildwood pasty's right in, about a mile outside of right on us2 oh yeah i know right where it's at yeah holy cow you know Doggone it, i got to write that down. I didn't know that was your place.
0: Yep, that's my place. I'm usually there every day during the uh, summer and the fall.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember one time. Matter of fact, I think it was your place. I remember uh, my wife and I and the kids were living at home, and, and uh, I convinced my wife to just go to the UP for the day. She, what are we doing up there? I, I mean, because we were staying uh, at our cabin by Atlanta. And uh, we stopped up, got a pasty, and and headed back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the oh yeah, we got a lot of people that. <laughs> yeah, my kids were kind of ticked off at me because it was kind of a long trip, but I I didn't care. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm I'm here to talk to you about a. Well, hey, I could talk about pasties, I'm sure, but I'm here to talk to you about a something that's pretty near and dear to you, and that's uh, you know spending time out in the woods and in that. Uh, in that God's country that you live in, so, and we all live there too. But uh, um, yeah. you have a, I should I should say a pastime, but it, it's probably became more more than just a pastime. That's uh, uh, some of your activities outside, and that's one of them, trapping.
0: Yep, that's one of the trappings. I'm currently the president of the Michigan Trapper Predator Callers, the state organization for trappers and predator callers.
1: Wow, that keeps you busy then.
0: Yeah, it's a few times.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Beautiful. Well, I need to reach out to you then and uh, maybe uh grab a a name and number. It might be you of uh picking up maybe some uh some some animal scents to do some trapping myself.
0: Yeah, well I, I got a little little shop here in my in my fur shed here. Oh, I sell traps and you know, trapping supplies and scents and things.
1: I'll have to look you up. I that's uh that's my kind of uh shopping as we'd say, so yeah. Um, yeah um yeah that'll happen soon i'm sure of it so as we were talking to it sounds like we have some uh oh some people that uh, we know pretty good that uh some common friends will say so it's a small world out there yes it is yeah. very small yeah so hey Thanks, as uh mark being a being a trapper in that eastern end of the up uh i mean i i've trapped a little bit my whole life because it's how my dad raised me, me and uh-huh. my brother. We wanted we wanted some Christmas money when we were little. Um, we did trapping and we did okay. We had actually, you know, as we were talking, my brother and I, we had a little more money than some of the other kids because uh, uh, the price for rats were up and stuff like that. So we were always happy about it and it was something we really enjoyed to do. But what are some of the challenges that the trappers are facing today, especially in that uh, upper peninsula? Well, the, well
0: the, big, the biggest problem we have right now is that there really is no market for fur. With COVID-19, it really shut everything right down. Wow. And, you know, like the Canadian auction houses, the big auction houses up there. Yep. Like
1: They can't get any
0: buyers in, so they can't, you know, it's hard to, hard to sell fur over the Internet. Oh, You got to feel it. You got to look at it.
1: You bet. Yeah. So
0: really, there is it, it, the market's real bad market. That's one of our biggest challenges.
1: Do you right think it, Do you think it'll bounce back when uh, things get a little more normal?
0: Oh, it'll slowly come back, all right, but it's going to take a while because um, you know before before COVID nineteen, the buyers bought, so they made these coats. Yeah. Well then. Nobody can go to their shops to buy the coats, so they're have got lots of coats. Yeah. So, everything's going to take you know two or three years before it starts really bouncing back.
1: Wow! Oh my gosh!
0: And maybe you know I've heard some people say five to ten years.
1: Yeah i I can I can agree with the, your assessment on that. Uh, it sure makes sense to to make that statement. I mean, I don't think that's far fetched.
0: No, it's uh, and it's it's going to be tough, but. You know, there, there's still people out there hitting hitting the things. One, one, one good thing
1: about the COVID nineteen was is that well, that's one thing we could do is go out in the outdoors. Yes, indeed, absolutely.
0: So there's been a lot of people out there, but you know, there's no place to sell their fur, so they got
1: freezers full. Oh my gosh! I mean, I would think in in a in the near future that's going to be a problem. I mean, what do you do with what do you do with that uh, stockpile of fur that you run out of room to put it? Ah, uh, yeah.
0: Hopefully, a market comes up or you sell it for whatever you can get. Wow.
1: Oh, my. That's now, unbelievable. Most, damn. Yeah, most shame. trappers
0: don't do it for the money.
1: No. <laughs> You're well, right. Yeah. The only,
0: people, the only trappers that are doing it for the money are the, the damage control trappers. That's yeah. the only way they're going to get any
1: money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the nuisance type thing. Yeah, nuisance. Nuisance. Yeah. Yeah, so what are some challenges out there besides uh i mean we talked about the market and boy i tell you what i'm glad you brought us up to speed on that because that's that's something a lot of us don't even think about you know when somebody thinks about you know the trapping industry they're thinking about uh you know the gas that a guy has to burn to check his traps and uh buy the equipment and etc but um that market thing that you just just uh Enlighten us on that's something that you know, a lot of people you know, don't that's, think
0: that's about. That's probably our, our biggest problem right now. You know, yeah, the gas prices are starting to creep back up, but you know, it, that's just part of the part of the business. You know, you yeah. got to have it. Yeah. Um. But as long as long as you can sell your your fur, you might make gas money. Well, if you can't sell your fur, you're not going to make any gas money.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. So what what other some of the other challenges when it when a trappers looking to maybe get into this we have you know we have a lot of uh baby boomers that were brought up on the outdoors and and they but they knew that they had to get a job and this got their job and are retired i talked to a couple guys that said you know that's how i was raised i mean we ate venison year-round uh, we trapped and that was our money and i'm looking forward to getting back into that um well, one, of the, one
0: of the things is you know what, what We see what what a lot of people don't understand is there are outside forces that want to get rid of traffic, period. Wow. In fact, there's a bill in the uh, House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. right now that would ban all steel or body grip traps from transporting across state lines.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So you couldn't take any traps across state lines. Well, that would just kill everything. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's that's done. You're done. You can't. You know you have people that you know, there are trappers that travel all over the US. You yes, know they indeed. go to the south, they go to the west, yeah. To trap.
1: But you know, they can't take any traps if they if that law passes. No, absolutely. I, so I, that's
0: that's one of the one of the one of the problems we're having is is that there are lawmakers that hate trapping. They hmm. can't under, they don't understand it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that the N T A National Crappers Association and uh, protectors of America, FDA mm-hmm. are working on. I mean, they've got lobbyists going there all the time and try to keep us up to date. Yes, on what kind of bills are coming in that mm-hmm. would affect us.
1: Do some, Do a lot of those we call them lobbyists, or even some of the other uh, advocates? Are they finding that sometimes setting these lawmakers down or these other people? And educating them on the importance of trapping um, and what it means—not just to the heritage of the, of uh, you know, what settled this great nation of uh-huh. ours, but, but how important this industry is even today. Have have they looked at it that way and presented it to the people that you know sit in Washington or sit in uh, or live oh, yeah. Lansing?
0: Yeah, yeah. Our lobbyists, you know, they know exactly which ones that we. That are, that are the swing boats, so they try to work on those guys. They know the ones that everything we we understand. Ten percent is for, ten percent is dead set against. You're never going to change. Right. They work on the eighty percent that can go either way.
1: Oh, good, good.
0: That's what that's what that's what you know doing, and you know that's that's what well basically that's what's going to kill it. That's what you know. We, I tell all the trappers when I when I do my speeches and everything is that. We'll never lose traffic in the swamp. We'll lose traffic in D.C. or Lansing.
1: Yeah, that's where we're going to lose traffic. Boy, that's that's quite a that's quite a metaphor, but it's spot on.
0: Because there are people that just don't understand that we want to want to do this. Yeah. You know, and, what why we have to do it. If you don't do it, they'll run amok. They'll be everywhere.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah
0: that you're finding down in lower michigan right now is the coyote population is everywhere
1: yes it is yeah okay well
0: that's that's what
1: happens when you don't trap i remember working third shift when i was in law enforcement and i worked in a township but we butted up to bay city and um, i remember this one area it was a subdivision and there was uh, a fair amount of people that live there but you know I worked third shift and you'd see what was out there at third shift and it wasn't always just the burglars it was a lot of coyotes. Yep. And the next day I remember one guy that I knew that lived on that one cul-de-sac and I I don't know a couple days later I said, "Hey, you guys got a lot of dogs in here. Man, there's tracks all over. I wish the uh, animal control guy would stay busy and and pick up some of these strays." I said, "I'm telling you, they're not your strays. They're your coy or your coyotes." He you, he wouldn't believe me no matter what. I could not convince him. I told him, I said, you know, it's back before the days of trail cameras, really. Yeah. And uh, because otherwise, he could have, you know, the, he could have put one of them out, and it would have been obvious. But yeah, like you say, there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of wonderful things that come out of the trapping industry.
0: Yeah, one of the things that you know I tell people too, because especially if there's a little bit of snow on the ground, and they, they see these dog, what they think are dog tracks. I asked them, I said,
1: is it, is it an exact straight line? They go, yeah. I said, that ain't a dog. A dog
0: wanders. <laughs> yeah. A coyote
1: or a fox will go straight line. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. That, 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 that's hard to tell what, what you got in your yard. Yeah, if it's in a straight line, it ain't a dog. That's right. Well, you know, we talked about this a little while ago, but and I'm not trying to pat anybody on the back, uh, but, you know, as we know, the trapper. Even the modern trapper of today, but uh, those guys and gals will say too. They're some of the most knowledgeable people out out there, out in the woods, out in the fields, wherever they're trapping. We'll say out in the outdoors, and uh-huh. uh, that alone. If I mean, if our trapping industry almost tank, does a tank, we're gonna lose that. Yeah, you know,
0: you're gonna lose the lose the people that know, you know, understand what's going on. You're gonna have rivers start getting. Higher and higher because the beavers start damming it oh, up. Oh man,
1: you ain't, and that's ain't kidding. That's
0: going to change change the thing of the river. Yeah, the guys are fishing. They're going to lose lose prime trout fishing spots because they'll be damming it all up and they'll be turning into beaver ponds. Boy, you ain't kidding. And you know, so so that you know, it, it affects everything. It doesn't just affect you know the animals. It affects the ecosystem
1: of the whole whole woods. Yes, indeed, absolutely. And I, I locally in your neck of the woods, kind of I should say it is. But uh, I run that H forty, that Trout Lake uh, Road a lot when I'm up there. And of course down down where uh, I think it's I think it's Bear Creek crosses at the uh, just down by Langstaff's. Uh huh. Boy, the beaver is just <laughs> they really oh, wow. got that dammed up. And I was I had stopped there to talk to another trapper. Pretty soon uh Road commission guys stopped. Pretty soon another road commission. There was about five, six people. Pretty soon a uh, state police guy stopped, wanted to know what with all, all the commotion was. And uh, it was these road commission guys just begging to have somebody do some beaver trapping. Yep.
0: All right. The biggest problem right now is like, there's not a lot of beaver trappers out there because, one, it's a lot of work.
1: Oh, man. You ain't okay. kidding.
0: And right now, beaver are running about $10 to $15 for a oh.
1: beaver. That isn't that isn't no. paid to have to uh, flush one out. No, all, the, only,
0: thing is, the only, only reason people are going after have to be right now is a caster. Yeah, caster caster prices are astronomical.
1: Yeah, uh, something uh, something around
0: hundred to hundred twenty dollars a pound.
1: Oh my! Wow. So that's
0: the only the only way anybody can make any money on beaver trapping is the caster. Wow! Wow!
1: Yeah, something. Well, yeah. hey. When we talk about different creatures, uh, we talked about some of the protected, you know, some of the limited trapping opportunities that you all have up there. And it just seemed like when I'm up there, I mean, we talked about the the fisher, the martin, and how such a limited season, a limited take. Now, I'm not going to pretend to know, but I'm going to ask you, it just seems like to me when I'm up there, I see many more than what I used to see 25, 30 years ago when I first kinda of started coming up there.
0: Oh yeah, it's, there, there, there's 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 a lot more up there now. The Martin and Fisher population are really starting to expand. I'm also a, a fur agent agent for fur harvester's auction outside of Canada. Yes. All the trappers bring this fur to, to me in and I take get it into Canada for the to the auction. Yes. And um the martin the and Fisher numbers every year have gone up in the over the last 10 years oh. they're that, that sending
1: them down, sending them up there because they're catching more of them yeah absolutely what's what is it what would be a downside i mean i have some ideas but i want to ask you what would be a downside or two of the population growing quite a bit
0: the things is, fishers love to eat partridge. Oh boy! Okay? And your your grouse populations are going down, down, steadily down for the last few years. They blame it on cycles,
1: but well, some sometime we have to start going up. Yeah, you look at what what the uh, Rough Grouse Society or some local chapters, not just that, but what a lot of people put into as far as money and time to to accentuate or to improve grouse habitat uh-huh. and how important that upper peninsula, I mean, gee whiz, right where you're at, I mean, it was always that way for me around East Lake, such a uh, natural flyover for the uh, for the timber doodle migration. Yep. And um, all the monies that are put into that and have, You know the numbers just not uh, reflect, based on maybe maybe turning a blind eye to the Fisher Martin uh, Predator.
0: Well, it is. You know that's what it is. You know they're saying, well, these are you know protected species. I said, well, when are they going to become unprotected species? Yeah. I mean, you know what 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 number do you need? Yeah. Well, we we uh, and they always the the DNR is always telling us, well, the the populations are decreasing. I said, where?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to know that I too. Said,
0: they they move, the yeah. fish are move, you know, they're gonna hunt they're gonna hunt in an area for a while and then they're gonna be gone.
1: Well when we say when we talk about that, I don't wanna lump everybody into uh maybe some bad policy making or bad enacting bad laws or advising lawmakers uh or NRC members incorrectly, but when we you know, I, I run into the uh I will say the conservation officers and even some of the uh, some of the other technicians out there, whether it be from the Forest Service or mainly from the, you know, DNR, I th- I don't find that they're disagreeing with you and I. I feel that their hands are pretty well tied to uh, mid to upper level management biologists that. Yep. That determine it's, it's
0: it's guys that are sitting in front of their computer screen running a, a computer c- computer module that are saying that well these things are decreasing well. Yeah. they're not decreasing if you
1: look right if you in the woods and look they are there <laughs> yeah absolutely they need to do some instead of a computer screen module you know math, mathematics they need uh, to uh consult with those that are out in the woods whether that be the trappers and even several of the uh i mean you take your even your houndsmen that run uh um well bears or bobcats coyotes even your uh just your guys that are out there a lot and see a lot of territory over a short period of time.
0: Well, you know, I've, I've asked them, I've said, okay, I understand you, you use a survey. You got that. And we finally got some questions now on the, the deer camp surveys that they're putting out, or the, the yeah. deer surveys. Yes. How many Martin did you see? How many fishers did you see? So we're start, We finally got that put on there. But I asked them, I said, what about your foresters? Yeah. Are, they're in the woods
1: seven days a week sometimes oh yeah your loggers, yeah your timber guys
0: yeah i said ask them yeah have you asked them oh no i said why not i mean they're in the woods
1: (laughs) boy that that uh that communication breakdown is the same as it has been for 25 to 50 years right there yeah it
0: it just everybody's got their own little rice bowl and
1: they don't want to they don't want to mess with it yeah absolutely (laughs) Well, hey, we talk about, you know, the Martin and Fisher and, and about a protected species, but I think, uh, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to call it the elf, the elephant in the room. I'm going to call it the wolf in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the wolf in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know. it's I think it's my 34th or 35th year. Um, I think I missed one year up in the UP, and I do a little bit of guiding up there, not a lot. In the big picture, I mean, it's probably a couple handfuls. But uh, um, I spent a lot of time up there because I enjoy it. But, I've, you know, in the last, I'm going to say 12 to 15 years, the, the, uh, the wolf sign has just steadily increased to the point that, uh, uh, you know, some people say, hey, how's the wolf population? And, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that I want to obliterate it off the face of the earth. I don't think that any of us, whether we're trappers or hunters, we're all conservationists. Yep. But uh, but we know that there needs to be some changes.
0: There needs to be some changes. There's two things. Two things, in my opinion, that we really need to make sure the wolf is. He needs to be respectful of man. Because right now they come right up to my deck. Wow. I live out in the. I live out in the woods. Yeah. I plan on live out in the woods. When I retired from the military, we moved to the woods. That's wow. what I want to do. Yeah. But they're they're up to my
1: deck right now. Wow. All right. All, all I want is them to be respectful. Yeah. The second thing is, is we got to manage them. Right now we got too many. Yeah, they're everywhere. If you if you go in the woods every day, I would bet you
0: four out of the seven days you go in the woods, you'll you'll, you'll come across a, a wolf, a see an actual wolf, not just the track. You'll I see the wolf. I would agree. You'll with see you. wolf tracks
1: every day. I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I agree with those two points. but you made two very 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 valid points in that uh I call it the fear of man I think the animal has to have some sort of a fear um but like you say the respect yeah and uh that's that's a certain right there that way uh um you know that way if we're going to going to go for a walk on the north country trail or do a little bit of snowmobiling or maybe a, some cross country skiing or just trapping or out hunting that uh-huh. We don't have the fear of them; they have the fear of us. Yeah, that you know, we're I'm, the that we the alpha. I know
0: I know several people now that do not walk in the woods without a, a pistol. Yeah,
1: I'm one of them. Yeah, when I'm up there, I I always carry. I'm I'm by myself 99 percent of the time, but uh, and that's the main thing. But I agree with you. I mean, I always tell people because they'll come up bow hunting maybe, and we do. You know, we don't cater to the bow hunters like we used to because the deer numbers are there, and I just don't feel it's very fair to the deer population to. Uh, constantly be at them but uh um we had four guys four or five i think it was four that came up this year and and they called ahead of time they said hey can we carry a pistol and i said well if you got a cpl we went through all the legality of things and and one guy said do we really need to and i said i always do you can always wish you had it but if you're bull hunting um i'd probably carry one and and uh all, three out of the four carried one and the one guy I wished he had you know well, yeah, I, carry, I carry one all the time. Absolutely. I
0: even carry one trowel fishing.
1: <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. That's, I mean, because your, your attention is, uh, whether it's trapping or certainly trowel fishing, your attention is trowel fishing. Yeah. And you're not watching your backside quite as tight as you would if you're just out for a stroll. No. Yeah. No, it,
0: it, 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 it,
1: we need
0: to do something. Yeah. And hopefully, we'll get lawmakers to. You know. Lawyers to get out get out of it and let the actual biologist control
1: Yeah the wolf. Absolutely. Right. Yeah.
0: But right now they're not. It's lawyers that are
1: controlling the wolf. Yes indeed. Well, I remember a person that mentioned to me about our first and only wolf hunt that we had in our, you know, recent times we'll call it. And um, and I remember getting a few calls from guys and I just told them, No, I'm not I'm not interested in guiding on a wolf hunt, I have no experience and that's a big thing to me is I'm not going to do, you know, whether it be the deer or otherwise. But, uh, boy, we got a lot of calls. And, uh, oh, and it, uh, it, was, it was very piss poor. Oh. I you know, think
0: uh, it was poorly run.
1: It was a really poorly run. They picked the wrong season. They
0: picked the wrong season.
1: Yeah. They picked it during deer season. Oh, horrible. And that was just so they could make more money. Yep, <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember tell, right. telling the one guy, he said, hey, if they really wanted to reduce the numbers, and uh, I mean it was like forty-five or fifty wolves was the target, and they only filled about half of them. Yep. If they really wanted to, really were serious about it, I say they. I mean, we'll call it uh, the Department of Natural Resources. If they were serious about doing it, they would have included trapping because trapping is going to take about eighty percent.
0: Well, that that wasn't the, that wasn't the department's. Call. Oh, no. They had trapping when it went to
1: the governor. You betcha, absolutely. The governor took it out. Yep. Under and, pressure. Yes indeed. Yeah, if they yeah. wanted some serious uh, uh tags filled on the on a wolf harvest. Oh, yeah. they, they would have included trapping. And one guy said, Really? You think so? And I said, Take a look at your states like Minnesota that's got a huge wolf population. And back in the day, when they when they had a season that was very robust, trapping um, accounted for eighty percent of the wolf harvest. Oh yeah. And the guy looked oh, at me like I was nuts, and I said, "Absolutely." I said, "You're dealing with an animal that is the one of the alpha predators, if not the one. They run in packs. Even when they run solo, I said they are an extremely smart animal. It's very tough to to." Uh, they're, they're a tough animal to hunt. Yeah. Uh, and uh, tra- he said, well, how, how would trapping do any? I said, well, you know, it's just I, I I had a hard time explaining it to him, but I thought if I had a hard time explaining it to him, then obviously our lawmakers, uh, you know, if they want to do a serious job and accept the uh, advice from those that are out in the field, our conservationists, thus our hunters, our trappers, that's who should yeah. be consulted. Well,
0: the thing the thing is with wolves is they're very cagey. You're very smart, so any you, you know they see everything. Yeah. But with trappers, you put bait down. A yep. wolf is is a dog. Yeah. Okay. You put bait down, he's going to come to that bait. Yep. All right. And if you don't leave any scent on your trap or anything, he's going to step in it. Absolutely. I've caught I've caught many of them coyote trapping. In fact, I quit coyote trapping now because of the wolves.
1: <laughs> That's got to be a trick to get one out of your trap. Wow. Well.
0: I don't. I, no, it's not really. You just call the DNR and have them have, have them come and do it.
1: You betcha, absolutely. Yeah, Marcus. But it's not
0: that. is of uh, the last the last night. quit, thing? I caught one. Had a DNR come and pull it out. Two days later, I was about forty miles away from another site. Caught one, but he pulled out, but yeah. destroyed the set. Yeah. Three days later, about thirty miles from that one, a wolf got in there. And I found seven pieces
1: of my trap. That's all I found. Oh my gosh! He destroyed that trap. He bit it,
0: busted it, destroyed it. Wow! Right? I got a, I got a trap. I got to another trap there. One got in there and it bent the little dog spring wow. on a trap right in half with his teeth. You can see the teeth mark in it. Holy! So cow. that's how much power they have on that that steel.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, and after that
0: I pulled all my coyote traps and I have never said another one in the last well, five years
1: hey if anybody has any uh, any doubt there's plenty of videos online I've seen a couple of them where people have tied up their dog to go out the back door and they lived in a, maybe a rural area maybe not so much rural but and uh, the video maybe they had a, a camera out their back door there's plenty of video and it's yep. it's horrific to watch it because you see a you know that that wolf knows that that dog's on a leash and he comes right to the end so he can't do any do any harm to the wolf oh, yeah. and, the, and the wolf just kind of looks at him pretty soon grabs a hole of his neck or his juggler and you, know, you you can just about time his death out and then the one i saw or a couple of them i saw where the where the wolf actually jerked the dog right out of his collar and carried them off, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, that's the kind of realism that, uh, that like you said, our, our people that are advising, our, whether it be our lawmakers, our lawyers, et cetera, Those cetera. Yeah. Those people need to see a few videos like that and say, hey, this is real stuff. You need to consult with people that are out there every day trapping and hunting these animals.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, a friend of mine is Campbell off the trail of Moran Road and eight recreational feats.
1: Yeah. Yep. Deer during the winter. Yep. And not that it was two years ago.
0: He didn't do it this year, but two years ago, beginning of winter, he had about thirty-five to forty deer in there. You know, constantly. Mm-hmm. And cameras everywhere. Yeah. About two weeks into December,
1: seven wolves moved in. Oh my! By the, by the end of the winter, there was zero deer there. Wow
0: that whole herd out gone gone all it was is
1: hair <laughs> oh that had to that had to look awful in among the snow it looked like a yep look like well, there, a, there
0: were spots that it looked look like a mass murder had happened yeah so yeah and then and, uh, and after them after the deer were gone
1: the wolves moved they went somewhere else <laughs> yeah restaurant was closed <laughs> no nope. wow go wow. and
0: Uh, A buddy of mine was hunting over in the wilderness area off the East Lake Road. Yes. Okay. And he hunts about two miles in. hikes in. It's a beautiful... It's
1: on the old Beaver Marsh that's out there. Yep, that's a beautiful area. And he was up in his
0: stand and he saw this doe coming in. she was just a huffing and puffing, running. And she crossed that Beaver Marsh. And uh, all of a sudden he looked behind her. Oh... About five minutes behind her, here come five wolves. Wow. All right? All in a single file,
1: right on her track. Yeah. When
0: they when he hit that marsh, they stopped. And he said, all of a sudden, they just fanned out in a straight line. Yeah. it's like a military position, and they started moving through that marsh, and all of a sudden, one of them wolfed. And they
1: all went right back in a straight line right on her track, and off they went. Wow. And and we know the odds of that doe making it probably slim to none. Yeah, zero. <laughs> yeah, they they're just going to do what they do, and that's you know they're going to dog that that deer to okay. shoot. Yep. Yeah, and
0: you know there are five of them, and yeah, they're, they're massive hunters.
1: They're yeah. massive hunters. Yeah, they are absolutely. Mark, this has been a uh, great conversation. I think a lot of our podcast listeners need to uh, hear these things and want to hear these things because. This is not something they're reading about or maybe hearing about from a remote area. This is uh, happening uh, on a regular basis, not just yeah. about the wolf, but uh, about several other things that you've talked about. I mean, the fur, mar- fur market will say from that to, uh, you know, we talked about the Fisher Martin situation and some other things, but uh, certainly uh, people need to hear these things and want to hear these things, so I, I think our podcast listeners are going to appreciate what we talked about. Yeah, no
0: problem. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear, get the word out because
1: that's all we need is to get the word out. Absolutely, Oops. 100%. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm going to look forward to uh, stopping up, uh, hopefully before then, but certainly come May to Wildwood yep. uh, Wildwood Passies. I wrote it down, so i got to make sure i got the name right. Yeah, we don't open until the first of May. I'll be there. You you can guarantee yep. it. I'm i uh, I'm a pasty junkie. All
0: right, we got yeah four different types. So
1: <laughs> I appreciate it, Mark. This has been a a treat, and our listeners will appreciate it when we get this uh, uploaded. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a link. Okay, appreciate it. I would like it. All right. Hey, Godspeed to you, and uh, take care yep. of God's country up there for all of us. Okay. Yep. Anytime.
0: Anytime you need somebody to talk. Just give
1: me an hour. All right. Thanks, C. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye. 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 This week's podcast
0: brought to you by Bourbon Creek Gun Dogs and Guide, Northern Michigan's finest upland bird put-and-take preserve. Our private lands have been carefully groomed to give you a blue ribbon experience. Bring your dog, or have our guide bring their expertly trained German Shorthair for a fun-filled day. At your request. We also guide on other properties. We are located in the heart of Michigan's elk country. Find us at bourboncreekgundogs.com or on Facebook, or call us 989-858-6799 to book your next upland bird hunting experience. And also brought to you by Bear Feed, Farms. Let us help you take the worry out of picking the perfect bait the only thing you have to worry about is tagging that bear. Stop in, see all the family, and check out our great selection of bear bait. FeedMIBear.com
1: Well, folks, thanks for dialing into our podcast episode number 83. Hey, I don't think we disappointed you on this one at all. Not that we attempt to do that on any of them. But this podcast with Mark, um, I think everybody that spends a decent amount of time outside especially hunting, fishing, hiking, recreating, they understand uh, and they've read certainly and and heard talk of what kind of an outside knowledge, what kind of a knowledge a trapper has. And I don't think there's any more knowledgeable person in the out of doors than a trapper, particularly a trapper that spends uh, year in and year out doing that. And I'm not talking about a professional trapper that does it for money. There's no money in this business. But uh, Mark sure, sure does uh, have a love for trapping. He's a businessman and uh, actually you owns know, Wildwood Pasties in, uh, just outside of uh, St. Ignace, actually out by Brevor, about a mile away. So Wildwood Pasties on, on uh, US2, I think it is. But anyways, I digress. Thanks for tuning into our podcast, and we appreciate Mark Spencer sharing his knowledge on why Michigan needs to have the Department of Natural Resources to implement a a uh, a wolf hunt sooner than later. All right, you take care. We'll see you next time.